This is Baseline, a podcast about baseball by people who know nothing about baseball. I'm Kyle. I'm Andrew, and we know nothing about baseball. And Andrew, it's the start of spring training. Uh, this is true. How's how's your spring training? How's your CES? Oh, uh, I've been doing lots of training this spring. Um, <laughs> you know, I've been I've been training lots of springs actually. Uh, They're going to be very okay. So spring. spring's been learning from you. Right. Um, it sounds a little bit, yeah, actually it's still, I guess, technically winter, right? We're not actually in spring yet. Yeah. I mean, it's called spring training, but it's 28 degrees here Fahrenheit. So like it's cold. It's not spring. It's no good. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the, the place where baseball spring training, major league baseball spring, spring training happens is usually in a much warmer part of the country being either Florida or Arizona, and so likely, at least the idea, is that it's a lot warmer there. I guess currently, uh, yesterday when games started, it was still about 50 Fahrenheit, so kind of cold, kind of like Bay mm. Area cold, if you yeah, would, right. um, and not not really conducive for baseball, but the nice part, and I think the main difference between those two leagues, we'll talk about them in a bit, but because I think I, I want to spend most of this episode talking about spring training in particular, now that it's started at least, is in Florida, it's going to be real humid, but in Arizona, it's going to be dry as a bone mm-hmm. for the most part, mm-hmm. uh, unless you're going to get some sort of... Now, they go back and forth, yes, uh, or no. The teams? Yeah. They don't, no. So, the yeah. Oh, okay, so they just stick where they are. They do, which is nice. Um, if you ever go out to spring training for in Florida or in Arizona, I personally have only been to Arizona a few times, mm. but you can uh, just go watch. You know, the Dodgers go play at their uh, home stadium in one small little suburb of Phoenix, Arizona, and then drive twenty minutes and go watch the Giants play, and then mm. drive another ten minutes. And go watch the Cubs play. Right, um, it's kind of cool because they're—I mean—they're not having to fly back and forth and spend a whole bunch of time. It's all sort of about the development of the team and about—I I don't know—trying <laughs> to trying to spend time with your own team and and you know meet your teammates and and get get yoked, I guess, if you would, <laughs> uh, during during the season and try and prepare yourself for actual baseball that counts. I think that's. One of the biggest things, I was looking up a couple of articles. Um, There's one, actually, we were talking about the weather. There's one Mm. over on AccuWeather that Uh, says why mm. MLB teams go to Arizona and Florida for spring training. Um, I'm going to put it in the show notes. You can check that out, goodstuff.fm slash baseline or baseline.show. It's a very, very in-depth look at uh, why the Arizona Cactus League and the... uh, Florida Grapefruit League, which is the name of that. That's a heck of a name. Yeah. Why they are held in those two places. Uh, It's a a really, really interesting read, I guess. Now, I believe that they should be required to pitch uh, grapefruits instead of the ball. That's fair. I mean, uh, you... mm, Oranges seem to be more baseball adjacent. Right. And also more connected with Florida, but whatever. True. There's got to be something about grapefruits uh, that that make them maybe more baseball friendly, uh, easier to to hit a little. It's like a corked bat version of mm. an of an orange, mm-hmm. right? You got a little mm-hmm. bit more, uh, I don't know, kind of like bounciness to yeah. a grapefruit, maybe, mm-hmm. or uh, the color is easier to spot in a field, maybe. That's kind of like the those are the only two reasons I could think. It's kind of like a softball. More or less. Mm-hmm. Pomelo. Yeah. But it, it must be nice, particularly in Arizona, where all of the baseball teams are within the same county, basically, to be a baseball fan that lives in those areas in spring training. Because, like, all of baseball comes to you for, you know, a, a handful of weeks. Yes. Yeah. Well, in a lot of the, um, I guess, tourist season around those areas, if you're thinking like Peoria or Scottsdale or uh, any of those sort of like smaller, almost like retirement areas of Phoenix, Arizona, uh, some of the season, at least the the sort of milder part, like we were saying earlier of the season, 
is filled with baseball folks, you mm. know, folks traveling from all over the place, all over the U.S., from L.A., uh, just to go see their team for games that don't count yet still cost money to go watch. Um, and also, I guess um, you have a main, a major team in that area now. You've got your um, Arizona Diamondbacks, who I believe were also one of those expansion teams to 1998, 1999, that, that time. Uh, they had Randy Johnson early days, so they became like this big powerhouse uh, National League team. But they sort of have that turf as well. So you're not just getting like Arizona Diamondbacked fans in that area. You're getting the, from the 1960s or so, all of the fans that have been going to spring training games for the teams that have been Arizona-based for that long. And so you kind of get like this interesting amalgamation of a whole bunch of different fans in that area. I've also found an article over at the Baseball Codes. Dot com hmm. uh, that says the differences between spring training and the regular season sometimes aren't so different after all. Um, and it gets into depth, obviously, about some of some of the interesting quirks of spring training baseball. Um, but I wanted to kind of put it to you from what you've seen so far, if you've either watched any games or heard any games or even tried to, to watch any games, we can talk about that. Um, what you may have noticed about spring training baseball that that is kind of different from what you have seen of normal, regular Major League Baseball. Right. So I tried to listen to the Reds' uh, opening game for spring training and was thwarted by uh, MLB. But um, so I have not yet witnessed the uh, mm -hmm. uh, spectacle of spring training baseball versus regular baseball. But hopefully. We'll get that sorted soon. I have also tried out the tv.youtube.com, uh, YouTube TV's service for sort of out-of-market stuff. Mm. And mm -hmm. I have family up in the Bay Area. And so I'm sort of piggybacking off of uh, my brother Kenny's uh, YouTube subscription. And he's able to sign in for me up there. So I can basically unlimited DVR Giants games and have them slurped up into YouTube TV's service. I had a I had some trouble <laughs> watching it today for some reason. Like I could watch it on regular Wi-Fi from one place, but when I tried to access it from Wi-Fi here on the East Coast, it wouldn't let me. Um, kind of strange. Huh. I'm not sure what the issue is there. Yeah. It, it seems to like be blocking it some of the time, but not all of, all of the time. But I think YouTube TV might be a, a somewhat good opportunity for me to. However, it will not allow me to listen to radio broadcasts. And for me, that's like mm. I gotta have I gotta have my radio. Yeah. And there's no way I'm gonna be able to get that signal down in Southern California. So I'm gonna have to probably right. jump on some sort of MLB at bat subscription. The nice part about that is if you aren't looking for the TV subscription. You can, I believe, do just the at-bat audio, which is three bucks mm. a month or so. Really, really, really small, oh, negligible uh, in the grand scheme of things. When you look at a whole season and it's like 120 bucks for all the teams. And then you look at one team, even if you just wanted to watch the Reds, like $95 to watch that. It just seems really unreasonable yeah. for especially like an out-of-market thing for... What are you going to watch? Mm, six months or so? I guess it's not that bad. <laughs> now that yeah. I think about it, it's actually not not too bad spread across. But it's just one. I mean, that's one channel. One team, one channel. Still not that much. Yeah, I would have to investigate further to see if there's a way that I could uh, perhaps get the, you know, the at-bat, just the audio, and then somehow... Uh, get video of games through some other method. Right. Because that's not going to get piped into your normal cable subscription, right? It's not like you could call up AT&T and say, hey, you know, add add so-and-so to my, my subscription. Right. Well, I'm a terrible millennial, and I don't have a cable subscription anyway. So. <laughs> you already cut that cord. It's not, not going to happen. Oh, yeah. I never had that cord to start with. <laughs> that's fair. I mean, now that you can... Uh, the thing with MLB 
at bad or MLB.tv. I'm just going to go with MLB.tv for now just because it, that implies sort of the visual aspect of it. Um, I mm-hmm. have been subscribed to that for a long time and and was subscribed to that. Uh, I want to say 2012 is when I first subscribed and was out of market and was watching on like an iPhone 4. Still pretty great back then. And the amount of um, innovation, I guess, that they've made in the meantime is negligible, yeah. to be honest. Like, there aren't, that, there aren't that many changes that they've done. But watching, actually watching a spring training game, there have been a lot of innovations to the game of baseball that I think could be incorporated somehow into my, my viewing experience that they're not doing right now. So I'm going to get into maybe my uh, first impressions of a game that I watched uh, of mm-hmm. spring training. I caught the first, it was a, the game that I actually took a photo of and sent to you. I'm scrolling back in our mm-hmm. chat now. Uh, I was watching yeah. the Mariners and the Athletics from a... Airport bar, it looks like. It was a bunch of TVs kind of squished together. Is that what it was? I I couldn't tell what exactly the environs were, but airport bar makes sense. Yes. Because it's like like four TVs, uh, you know, smooshed together to make one big It kind of looks like you walked into a Best Buy, and they're they're trying to, like, show you, like, oh, no, this TV's (laughs) pretty good. Right. Um, So so I was was watching this. Actually, if you want to pull this up, it's a pretty interesting look at some of what mm-hmm. has changed and, and what is different of a spring training game. And I wanted to kind of point some of these out first before we got into mm-hmm. um, some of what the the articles that I've got in the show notes are pointing out. So I would say, first of all, the thing you're going to, I'm going to go kind of left to right, I guess. Um, you'll mm-hmm. notice mm-hmm. a Mariners logo and a Padres logo stacked on top of one another here. One of the things, one of the differences of regular Major League Baseball games is that during spring training, a lot of these stadiums are actually split between two teams. And you'll get both of the teams Hmm. training at the same facility on, I guess, kind of on the same grounds, but splitting the games between those two teams in that sort of minor league-sized stadium. So you're going to fit maybe... 10 to 15,000 people in there. It's not going to be the 50 to 60,000 that you'll get in a normal stadium. Right. So that's kind of a, that's a, a, a sort of weird, weird thing that, that nothing does not happen during the regular season. Um, to mm. the left of that, actually, now I'm going right to left, but you, you understand there is a mm-hmm. clock and the clock isn't lit up in the photo I sent you, but, you can sort of see um, like LED numbers that are are sitting behind right. there. Little segments, yeah. This is something new that I have not seen this year. And maybe this is unique simply to the Mariners slash Padres stadium here. Um, but they are timing and showing time to the pitcher after every single pitch. So when they throw a pitch and... The catcher catches it. The umpire calls it ball strike. It gets thrown back to the pitcher. The pitcher then, I believe, has around 15 seconds to then throw his next pitch. So we had sort of mentioned in a previous episode that there isn't a timer set for baseball. And, you know, a game could last as long as a game lasts. But there are parts of the game now. This is sort of new to me that they're trying to add mm-hmm. time to to increase the speed of play and try and create this regular cadence of pitches so that your you know pitchers aren't just sitting on the mound rubbing the baseball for 25 to 30 seconds looking at someone who may be leading off of second and not throwing the ball. Yeah, I'm reading this is the pitch clock. Yeah. Does the timer like does the pitch clock idea intrigue you at all it does a little bit because i was reading i've been reading a little bit you know that major league baseball has been trying to uh increase the pace Mm -hmm. of play as they call it try and i guess speed up games right 
So the pitch clock is one of the ways that they're doing that. Yeah, they're also, I, I, I think it'll be interesting. I think the timer that I'm most familiar with, at least over the last five seasons or so, is the one that they will have in between innings to try and say like, mm. hey, you know, it, it has been uh, two minutes and 15 seconds and now we're back from commercial. You need to start pitching now. You can't just keep warming up and warming right. up. Same thing happens when you put a new pitcher in. You've got a certain amount of time to have that pitcher warm up actually on the field, and then they need to start the game. You have to th start throwing actual pitches to to folks at bat. Yeah, you know, one of the things, so um, in talking about starting this podcast with some friends and, and talking to them about baseball, you know, one of the things that I heard most from people is that they just think baseball is slow. Mm -hmm. You know, and, you know, uh, like I don't want to watch it on TV because it takes forever. So I think... I think that that anything that they do to make the game progress a little faster is probably helpful to the overall viewership of the game. But I can definitely see why purists are uh, concerned. Yeah, I f for me, it's uh, uh, as someone watching the game, I don't want to see that clock like whether or not that clock is in the mind of the pitcher or if it is over in the dugout and the coach is having to wave the pitcher down and say like, Hey, it's been 15 seconds, throw the, throw the ball. Uh, or whether it's mm -hmm. like up in the stands somewhere, just get it off of the nationally televised screen for me, because all that does is add anxiety <laughs> for me to like, yeah, throw the pitch. Is he going to throw the pitch? Is he not going to throw the pitch? What right. would happen if he balked? Would he have to look towards second? What if he threw the first, <laughs> does it reset the clock? Like there are so many different, parts of that right. that I, I just think aren't it makes me focus too much on the time and not on the strategy and as as someone who I guess has watched baseball without that clock being visible it was just distracting and that that's my first kind of gut mm. reaction maybe I will feel differently when I see it in person I don't think that the other part of this and the other thing that you may see to the left of a pitcher like this during a spring training game is the manager. The manager sitting outside of the dugout, sitting in like a fold-up chair, like in <laughs> the periphery of one of these frames during a, a televised game. And the reason that they're doing that is to just get a better perspective of what's happening and get a view of how the pitcher's doing, talk to the catcher, you know, a little bit closer so they're not just giving signs, they're actually physically speaking to them and and getting to talk to the players on the field. Um, most of what happens in spring training is about conditioning and not just conditioning people's like physical abilities to play the game, but their mental processes of working with that manager um, working with that defense, working with the offense. Um, it could be folks who have never played in the majors before as well. And, or they have, they were in, uh, like a ball for a while, double a, triple a, whatever. And now they're finally with a major league team and they need to listen to what the umpires are saying, or they need to sort of, uh, kind of grok the situation, um, because it's it is and can be very different from uh, regular uh, minor league play. Um, okay, let's go then from from left to right a little bit. Uh, I'm going to point out the pitcher's jersey next. Um, that is a Mariner pitching right now, and mm -hmm. you may notice that his jersey is not. Typical Mariners colors. I don't know if you're familiar with the the Seattle Mariners at all. Uh, I am not, but uh, that uniform is not familiar to me. So typical Mariners will, and especially if they are uh, at home, they will wear usually white or some sort of mm. darker blue uh, jersey to match the color of their caps. That is that is typical during the regular season uh, attire, but during spring training, you usually and I and I believe this is f the majority of the time will wear one jersey only. Whether you're at home or away, you will wear a jersey that one 
is specifically constructed to allow for greater airflow in the in that Florida slash Arizona heat and also be a completely different color from the typical jerseys that you would wear during the regular season. And I think this is probably twofold. This is, you know, somewhat a, um, like, let's make it be different from regular season because these games don't count type of thing. And also marketability, you can sell a different looking jersey to people going to spring training than you can for the people who are going to an actual stadium. And, and it makes it like, oh, hey, right. I got this special jersey. It has the Cactus League thing on the on the shoulder. Limited edition. L- yes, limited edition, exactly. Um, and also, it can be kind of off-brand a little bit. Like, you'll see, actually, to the uh, bottom right, the Mariners logo is an M over sort of their nautical-looking uh, uh, thing in the background. That is not mm. the normal Mariners logo. That is... absolutely the Mariners spring training logo. (laughs) Um, It's really strange to see actually, because the logo on the hat also matches that same M with, with the, uh, the Mm. thing behind it. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of odd to, to see these because they, they don't look like normal baseball. A lot of times, even if you watch them on TV and the, the stance of the, the pitcher looks the same and the, Camera angle, you know, showing the pitching mound and home plate looks pretty much the same. Uh, but it has it has like teams that you've never seen before, uh, even even though you mm-hmm. you may have seen the Mariners and the A's play before. I think that's kind of it uh, for the most part. One one thing that I wanted to point out uh, on this picture is the stat block, um, because that kind of reminded me one of the things that I've been thinking about is how much of a um, stat-focused game baseball Mm -hmm. is compared to other Mm -hmm. sports. Like, baseball is really the game to be into if you're a statistician because there's a lot of things that people keep track of. And that, you know, I I, I recognize a handful of the things in these stat blocks, but other things I'm like, I don't even know, like a K slash BB just doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, So I think... In the future, we'll want to have a episode about stats so we can talk about you know, the importance of stat- st- statistics to yeah. the game throughout history. And, uh, you know, there are people who um, their enjoyment of baseball is derived from the stat, the statistics. Oh, of ab- absolutely. Uh, and I think that that ties both to the analytical portion of baseball, like folks either deciding whether or not to trade someone, where to put them, whether they should st- mm-hmm. whether they should stand next to first base or in the gap between first base and second base for a particular batter is typically decided by mm-hmm. objective metrics of whether or not this batter has done this or that during their time at at the plate. Um there's also the term sabermetrics. I I'm sure we've said it before on the show but that is sort of the ideally it's the objective measure of baseball and being able to apply statistics in a way that um, I, I think gives some meaning to the game outside of sort of the the history and um, other subjective parts of baseball and it breaks it down purely into these statistics and the ones that you actually see on this screen. And I, I guess we should put this in the show notes now that we've talked about it so much is that, um, these are kind of the super high level statistics. These are the stats that you will definitely see game to game. And I'm happy to tell you the K's and the BB's, those are strikeouts and base on balls or walks. (laughs) So yeah, (laughs) Would not have yeah. gotten that from the. <laughs> um, str- uh, uh, as a nugget, I guess as a, uh, a trivia nugget for those listeners out there who did not know that K's are strikeouts. A forward K, like a, a K that reads normally in uh, a, a Roman language, is going to be a strikeout where someone has swung at the pitch. And a K that is backwards is what's called a strikeout looking and that's where the pitch the third strike in account is 
it happens without the player needing to swing at the ball. So that's a that's a strikeout mm-hmm. looking, and that's a backwards K. It's kind. Of, it, you right. will see. I, I think one of the places <laughs> where you see this the most is um, at what's now Oracle Park, but AT and T Park, where the Giants play. They have a big wall every mm-hmm. time that there's a strikeout. A K goes on the wall, and you'll have some forward Ks and backward Ks. It's it's pretty interesting uh, to see just to kind of count yeah. the number of strikeouts. And again, yes, absolutely, that is a metric by which Hall of Fame level pitchers are measured, and. That is, I mean, home runs, innings, ERA, all of that um, is is stuff that is attributed to a pitcher. Now, the interesting part is, had I had I not said that the pitcher was a Mariner and the batter was an A, I I was curious to know if whether you thought that these statistics on the screen were for the batter or the pitcher. Um, I figured that they were for the pitcher. Um, if only just because of how the shot is framed. <laughs> good point. Good point. But that's that's one of those things where during spring training they will give you, and you'll see on the screen here, last season's statistics. Um, sometimes they'll give you statistics for the player in Double A ball, Triple A ball, um, things that try to contextualize why they have been quote unquote brought up to uh, play with the players in in these sort of major league type games um, with other major league players, veterans, things like that, um, they likely will not give you spring training statistics until about a week or two into spring training. And even then, it's almost as if those don't matter. Um, I've mentioned a number of times that spring training games (laughs) don't count, um, and this article over at the baseballcodes.com is absolutely right to point out that the games don't matter. So, you know, what is the strategy during these games and why why are teams playing them the way that they are playing them? I think if you are watching baseball during spring training for pure entertainment, you're kind of going to be disappointed. And that's because while, yes, the point is to win in a game like this, the point is always to win, but they are not necessarily playing competitively. They, you'll see scores like the one that you see in this screenshot of zero to eight in the top of the ninth, and they've just decided to put in another pitcher for no reason, or they decided to put in a new batter for no reason. Um, they're, the the decisions that are made during spring training are typically not in favor of team level winning. It is all about personal development, and it is all about sort of team uh, structure, I guess, like trying to decide whether or not a team is going to work well together and whether putting someone in left field is going to be where you want them or at second base or at first base, or are they going to hit in the three slot or are they going to hit in the eight slot? Like that, those are the kinds of decisions that you'll see change game to game and kind of, I I don't want to say diminish the, the value of watching this for, for entertainment, but you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt because it's not going to, it's not going to be like your, super high level baseball play. Right. It's it's practice. It's not necessarily it's, it's practice, meant to be. but with the marketing spin that it is real life games that people are going to and you could put your hard earned money to put your eyeballs on the field. And that's the part where right. like that's kind of that's the hard pill to swallow, I think. Um I mm-hmm. I am super reluctant. I still do very much love spring training. <laughs> And I think the main reason is because it doesn't count. I'm able to go out to a ballpark where there are far less people than there would be at a normal MLB stadium. And I can have a few beers and I can see prospects that uh, got called up to do spring training, but will not make the team for another one year, two years. Um, that's that in itself is kind of fun. And plus it's a lot warmer usually than, than most of the other places that people are playing. So I think that's for me personally, that is one of the main reasons why I like going, even though it does cost money, 
it's it's kind of fun. So I just want to chime in uh, that since we have started recording, the Reds have now finished their um, spring training game for today versus the Angels, and they've won 14 to do. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, it doesn't matter, but, you know, it's fun to notice anyway. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there's a point of diminishing return, I think, for, you said that the Reds won, right? Yeah. So for the Angels, I guess, they their idea of, okay, what can I do to maximize my um, my learnings, I guess? What maximize my value from this game is to likely they took the starters, the quote-unquote starters out first inning, third inning, somewhere around there. Uh, whenever mm-hmm. whenever mm-hmm. the the line score or the 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 box score says the Reds blew them out of the water. Um, that's likely where lots of changes are made. And if you listen to one of these games, I think the interesting bit is that you will hear so many commentators, both on TV and on radio, say, I don't know who's in left field. Uh, this is, and then they'll like stumble over the pronunciation of a name. Um, it's kind of fun, I, I guess, in that way, where there are there are people where like you couldn't do any level of research to find this kind of stuff out and it is all off the cuff improv for pretty much every single commentator out there and i eat that up i love that yeah but i think this gives us the opportunity too to talk about um scores and and the way that baseball is scored there's you know um it's a little bit more complicated on the um picture that you sent me it shows two numbers and those are what are typically thought of as the score for baseball but those are not the only numbers that get reported when you go and look up the score of a baseball game and so um i wanted to go over those real quickly for people who are perhaps even less familiar with baseball than i am yeah so this is this is what would be called the box score sort of like let's get the whole picture of um the winning pitcher the losing pitcher, uh, the final scores for both teams. Um, you can probably give me, I don't know whether it'll have it in there, like total pitches. I'm, I'm curious to see what they what you got. Hi, I'm clicking into box score now, and there's a lot in here. <laughs> um, there is, let's see, there's pitchers. There's not, I'm looking for total pitches or whatever. Anyway, I'm just looking at the, you know, there's the, Basically, the runs uh, per inning and each half of the inning. And then there's the total runs, the total hits, and the total errors. Right, okay. And that's what you typically look at, that nice little table. That's what you see on like ESPN when you go look up a, a box right. score or, you know, the score of a game. And, uh, you know, the numbers that ultimately matter are the runs, in this case, for Cincinnati, 14 to 2. Um, but then you have... You know, they report the hits in the airs as well, which I thought was interesting. But um, now, curiously, I, I would I would love to know if the hits for the Reds are higher than 14 or less than 14. It's higher. It's 17. OK, so that typically means a lot of a lot of folks getting hits and a lot of rallies where uh, someone will get a hit. They'll get a single. They'll get on base. Another person will come at bat. They'll get a single. You'll have two men on base. Then someone could hit a home run or get a double, and you'll run. You'll get both of those runs home. Um, that typically means that the pitcher was doing doing an okay job of at least uh, getting them in there. They're not, you know, giving up a lot of walks to where there are four balls and having the bases be filled by folks who are not getting hits. If that number, if the number of hits was lower than the number of runs, then you're you're definitely in a territory where there are like, uh, you know, three walks and then a home run, or two walks and then a home run, or walking in folks who were on third, or things like that. Right. And then to, I was basically going to prove that I knew a little bit about baseball by explaining runs, hits, and errors for people who may not be familiar. Yes, please. <laughs> so a run is basically when you advance. Um, through all three bases and make it back to the home plate safely. That's a run. Um, that can either be a home run, which is basically where you do it all at once, or sort of in sequence where um, you know you advance 
one base at a time, basically, through other batters, basically, after you hitting and advancing the base, which forces you to advance the base that you're on and eventually make it around. Right. So if you take if you take a look actually at our album artwork, I guess this is this is a really good reason why we decided to use this album artwork instead of maybe another designed one. Uh, you can please look at your phone now. <laughs> that's right. You can look at the bottom of of the sort of diamond that we have there, and you'll go from that bottommost peak to the one on the right, then to the one at the top then to the one on the left, and then back down to the one at the bottom. And that would be considered a run. So whether whether that is done by uh, going to first and staying on that one for a little while, or whether that is, like you said, a home run where the ball goes out of the ballpark and they go all the way around the bases, um, that either one can result in a run. Right. And then a hit is just if you hit the ball such that you are able to make it to first base. First, second, or third. Uh, all would be basically be considered a hit. Right. Well, to make it to a base, I guess. Yeah. Also, a home run is also considered a hit. I should say that. Um, and then an error is a little bit more fuzzy mm-hmm. to me. And I think that's because it's kind of a, a fuzzy concept in general, which is to say that I think it's kind of subjective, is it not? It is, and it's typically described by someone on staff sort of like inside of the um, the broadcast booth area that is known as the official scorer. And the official scorer mm. will determine whether or not something was an error. Um, an error oftentimes is described as um, if, if someone is able to, and there's probably a better definition of this out there. I'm just sort of, you know, off the dome with this. Um, it is typically described as, if they could have made the play but did not make the play, then it should be an error. So this could be such a thing as catching a ball but then like dropping it from your mitt, for example, such that you know uh, a batter is able to run further. Correct. So if it should have been an out or if something should have happened, then that would be considered an error if it did not happen. So oftentimes, if something where a batter hits a ball to third base, the third baseman runs up to it, gloves it, and is about to throw it, but doesn't make the transfer from their glove hand to their throwing hand well enough, and the batter um, is able to make it to first base, that could be considered an error. Um, It could also be that a throw was made actually errantly where they're going to throw to first, but they throw it way over the first baseman's head. That could also be an error. And so the end result of an error basically is that a a runner is also able to advance to a base, but it's um, distinguished from a hit in that um, an error is a result of basically a, um, what does Wikipedia call it? Misplay. Yeah, you'll have to, I think take a look at at one actually happening to to kind of fully mm-hmm. understand what that's like right um but yeah no it's difficult to describe and even wikipedia sort of struggles to describe it in um unambiguous right. terms right all right so, so they had but anyway those are the those are the three um numbers that are reported for each game for for mm-hmm. each team and they did they dictate the winning pitcher and the losing pitcher anything like that or is that sort of listed separately? Uh, they did. It is. I clicked away from it now. Uh, the winning pitcher is Gutierrez. The losing pitcher is Snow. Okay. Now I I will say do not take too much of that to heart. Uh, those names likely and and mm. most definitely. <laughs> may not be on the starting rotation of either team and right you're not going to probably derive that much usefulness from those but yeah and and as you said you mentioned you know the teams will pull their starters you know early and Very. things like that it it makes sense um that makes sense as a reason for you know I'm seeing a lot of scores that I would consider high for a regular season baseball yeah. game and I think it makes sense in the context of um, like you said, individual development rather than team strategy. You know, it, it the score. These games don't really matter score wise. What matters is training your 
um, you know, your, your, your players to, to play more effectively. So it doesn't really matter how many runs. And I would say also it's used as a tool for seeing whether someone can get the job at a, some sort of position on the team. Right. So if you've got it's a little bit like tryouts, it, it definitely is uh, about tryouts, um, especially for the starting rotation that changes pretty much every single year, unless you have, you know, five franchise players that are all, you know, hall of fame level players that you're likely going to go to every single year. Um, those spots are up for grabs all the time. If someone's not on during spring training, they're not going to make the starting lineup for whatever team it is. Um, they're going to be put on the bench. If they're a long-standing player, maybe they'll be put on the bench early and just be sort of a defensive replacement later on in the game. But, you know, they this is definitely a time for folks to shine. It's not about, like, all-star game level, like, we're just going to hit it and kind of jog to first base. Um, they're still hustling really hard. They are still trying to get a hit. They're still trying to get a strikeout. It's it's not necessarily practice purely for practice. Um, you're still trying to win, but the changes that are made at the managerial level, which dictates a lot more of the game than you may think uh, at, at first blush, um, are the things that are going to be very, very different from a normal major league game. Um, like we said, you'll you'll typically pull players early, especially if they're going to be players who you do not want to get hurt. A lot of baseball is about both uh, persistence, I would say, and and like conditioning and being able to do a certain thing for a very long time. If you're an outfielder, you have to stand in the outfield for nine innings. And that can be mm-hmm. daunting, very, very daunting. You will rarely see an outfield out in a uh, spring training game just standing there for nine innings. They'll maybe be in there for three, four, five, or six maximum towards the end of spring training, and then you'll get switched out for Mm -hmm. another one. Um, Rosters in spring training, I believe, are 40 deep currently. Um, And as the season progresses or as the preseason progresses, you will um, get that down to roughly about the 25 that you're going to go into the regular season with. And... Is there a, a deadline by which they have to finalize that? There is, and off the top of my head, I do not know it. Um, but mm-hmm. I will say... I just know that in other sports, there's like the day at which those decisions must be made. Yeah, I, I will say that, to be honest, it doesn't matter that much. In baseball, there is so much mm-hmm. movement, and there are so many uh, contingencies put in place where if someone does end up going on what's called the disabled list, which is like when you get hurt, you end up on this mm, list mm-hmm. that is a non-roster list. This is just sort of like you can be in limbo outside of the team. Um, teams are able to pull someone in from kind of anywhere. They can they can be from a minor league uh, franchise that the team also owns, or they can move folks over from kind of anywhere. There are trades that, that happen mid-season um, there is a trade deadline. We'll get to that. I don't know, a couple of episodes, um, in sometime <laughs> in the summer, but there, there are a lot of movement. There is a lot of movement that is done in the regular season. And I don't think it really matters that much. One of the uh, sort of things that signals like, Hey, we are ready for uh, the regular season is when you set your opening day rotation or your opening day starter rather. Um, that is typically going to be your number one pitcher. That's going to be the person that you want to have their home debut and, and, you know, fill the seats and, you know, bring in the most tickets for that day and, and kind of embody a lot of what, uh, you want the team to be this year and things like that. Um, it's, it's sort of this celebratory slash ceremonial, like, here, here we go. This is this is who we want to put forth for the baseball season. Um, it's it's pretty interesting, but I don't think there is like a definitive you know set date that that I I feel like really is something that I watch closely every single year. 
but we will be definitely keeping an eye out for opening day. That's that's the one thing where as spring training rolls on, um, it's real easy to get bored, I would say, with baseball that doesn't count. <laughs> you're you're kind of like, eh, yeah, okay, yep, let's let's get to the real thing. Like you, you guys seem like like during NFL, the thought is, you know, we don't want to hurt ourselves and why are we playing these games where they absolutely do not count, where we practiced all off season and during the summer, and now we're here hitting each other, hurting ourselves before these games count and they they feel useless. Baseball definitely has that feeling a lot less, but towards the end feels like it's dragging. And you do also definitely still run the risk of players getting injured. There's repetitive strain definitely put on on pitchers, and you will not see them go deep into games um, because they just they just don't count. So I'm super mm-hmm. duper looking forward to uh, the regular season starting, but I'm also kind of I'm I'm ready to catch a few games of spring training and mm-hmm. listen to my normal uh, radio calls from my hometown folks. And uh, and get that going. And uh, yeah, I'm going to figure out some way of watching or listening to games because there is actually um, coming up as we record this, our two teams are playing each other in spring training this week. They are. Yes, I'm I'm very, very much looking forward to that. Uh, We pointed that out, I believe, last episode. And I think there's an opportunity to probably pull out a couple of key plays. Usually ESPN or someone will throw together or the team themselves will throw together like this. Here's the highlight roll of everything that happened during the game. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't know if this one's going to be televised. So I, I have a feeling that it's yeah, just going to be the radio call. But uh, I, mm-hmm. I think we do, you and I need to set up an MLB subscription here ahead of this mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that we can jump on this train and, be able to listen to this when when this is available so very very much looking forward to this typing in my info now (laughs) credit card (laughs) you got it all right um better not read my number out on air four three no (laughs) i also this may be an interesting list to go through i found a genius.com list of a glossary of baseball terms and Hmm. This is this the same uh, so-called genius that uh, um, explains lyrics of songs? I believe it is. Yes. So if, we, if huh. you're looking, yes, well, search pivoted. lyrics and more. Yeah, they've they've got baseball terms now. Uh, <laughs> Just annotate everything. <laughs> Annotating life. Uh, they've got yeah. a uh, lot. Baseball. Here. Um, this may have been because I was looking for a clever name for our. Uh, movie segment of baseball movies because we have actually been getting a lot of suggestions over in our Discord. Yeah, I wanted to call out a couple. I did too, yeah. So this is, I guess we've got a section here towards the end of the show where we can kind of do our letterboxed list change log uh, Mm -hmm. where we'll Mm -hmm. we'll go over some of the suggestions that we've received from listeners. Yeah, um, I want to say we had some great suggestions for the name of this movie segment whenever we decide to do it. Uh, Ultra Nerd in the Discord um, said that there are a lot of picture picture options uh, related to puns, switching picture with picture, so on and so forth, which I like. Um, we have to think about um, if there's some good ones there. Um, I feel like that's probably the strongest, honestly. Like, I, yeah, I, I had a few. Um, pitcher's Duel is, yeah, that's good. Pitcher's Park. Mm, mm relief picture. I do like alternate suggested designated picture and I think that's probably my favorite at the moment, but I just there's not one that's making me go like ah, that's the one. Yeah, well, see uh, now uh, the well actually in me is saying designated hitter is the one that you'll want and designated pitcher is not exactly. a thing. Yeah, so right. that's a, it's a little yeah. uh, like I want it. Well, it's just whatever yeah. picture. <laughs> They're the designated picture. Uh, well, I will say, listen, we have a starting pitcher. Pit, pitch, are we going to have to say pitcher or pitcher? 
Yeah, maybe. Okay, so maybe as we say this out loud, suddenly this sounds like not such a great idea. <laughs> I I love the idea. Please suggest any and all ideas that don't involve us having to say picture and picture. Yeah. Yes, yes, and uh, I agree. Mm, we'll find one. This is really good. Lest I adopt a country draw and just call everything a picture. That was a great picture we watched. It's true. Uh, some of the others I had. Batter's box office was one. Mm, mm-hmm. Double play feature. That one, I thought that was, I thought that was close. Okay, like a double feature. You just, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I feel like if we only watch one movie, then doesn't that kind of? Well, see, that's the thing. That's sort of like setting. We've got to watch two every time. Yeah, which, yeah, that's rough. That's I don't want to. No, to can't. <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. Uh, and then bat flicks. Which which is like mm. you know bat flips are, are a hot thing. That's a that's a hot topic to me. That sounded like a Batman thing. Yeah, it does. It definitely sounds more like a bat like a like a Ben Affleck thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's actually our new podcast reviewing all of the Batman movies. <laughs> Just the Ben Affleck ones. It's only one episode right now, but it's, oh no, 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 it's uh, it'll get better. I, I <laughs> Please, promise. No. <laughs> So oh, let's dear. let's take a look at some of the uh, the suggestions that we've received over on the Discord. You can also be sure to send over your suggestions to at baseline underscore show on Twitter or movies at baseline show if you want to email those to us. And if you want to join the Discord and uh, more directly send us suggestions, you can uh, become a patron of Good Stuff FM. That's right, uh, and that entitles you to join the Discord. That's patreon.com slash good stuff if you want to sign up there. Yep. Yeah, so we received a uh, uh, handful of suggestions here. Ultra Nerd suggested The Natural, which is a film from 1984. Um, I know nothing about that film, so that'll be interesting. And then uh, Bornt on the Discord suggested four films. Uh, Soul of the Game from 1996. The Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings from 1976. Uh, that's a heck of a name yeah. for a film. That's <laughs> piqued my interest yes, already. Um, a, a League of Their Own from 1992, and Eight Men Out from 1988. Um, and I believe that last one is about the uh, the Chicago Black Sox. Is that right? Uh, the great Chicago White Sox team of 1919. Saddest team. Or am I just getting confused because it's White Sox 1919? Yeah, it looks like oh gamblers. Yes, this yeah, yeah. pretty much. Okay. Uh, um, and he had also suggested uh, Major League. I don't know if we had that one already. That sounds familiar. And then Soul of the Game. Yes, Soul of the Game. And then uh, Haroldina in the chat room also mentioned Little Big League. So what are we up to now? What does that? Where does that put us? I am. Adding these right now. I think the biggest the biggest thing for me is that all of these are very formative movies. None of these have been mm. recent movies. Not a single one. Right. Um, they are all about sort of... Well, and personally, I struggle to think of a uh, recent baseball movie, to be <laughs> honest. I can't call one to mind. It's it's interesting because these, these sort of do fit our episode theme very well like setting the baseline of your baseball knowledge and a lot of these are mm-hmm. likely formative movies for most of the folks who are recommending them so um right like i had said that uh, angels in the outfield was sort of a, a movie that i remember from my childhood and i remember a little bit of the sandlot too um right so you know those are formative movies. yeah so it is interesting to observe the uh the ties that people have to baseball from movies that they saw as kids. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think the, Oh, we just got another suggestion. This one's hot off the presses, the big show, which is a very, uh, yeah, there's a lot of films by that name, but yes, if you have, uh, further suggestions for movies, uh, that we should watch, please send them to us. Um, although our list is getting quite long, so I don't know when we're going to get through all of these, but it'll be eventually. It's going to be its own show, Andrew. I know it. it <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's the thing. What if we had them as bonus episodes and called them extra innings? Oh, 
Yes. Okay. Done. <laughs> yep. Baseline extra innings. That's the goodness gracious. Patreon.com slash good stuff. Got it, Got it, Got it in, in one. one. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, I think that's going to do it for us for this episode as well. Uh, as usual. Oh, uh, actually, I have a segment I want to do. Oh, oh, please. So um, I also want to start a recurring segment here where we recognize uh, minor league baseball teams uh, that we think have merit for various reasons. Um, and today I'd like to recognize the Carolina Mudcats which are a Class A advanced affiliate for the Milwaukee Brewers, um, for four games of this upcoming season, they will be the Carolina Micro Brews. And I think that that's delightful. And that's why... Very good name. Th- this week they are recognized as our, our minor league team of note. <laughs> uh, team, team of the week, for sure. I, I, I like that. Uh, especially, obviously, given my day job. That's, that hits close to right. home. Love that. Um, and also the branding. I don't know if you saw their... Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes to uh, an article about this. But yeah, there's uh, really good branding. On the hat is a uh, like a barrel that says microbrews mm-hmm. on it, like a beer mm-hmm. barrel. Um, and, the, um, and then they have like um, a little, what would you call this? The circular logo. Insignia? Yeah. Anyway, it's got hops on it, which I think is also pretty ah, delightful. That's good. That's very good. It's got hops, and there's like, it says MB for microbrews, and at the bottom, sort of ghosted in, it looks like a tap to me. <laughs> Are you seeing that? No, I'm gonna have to take a look. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna send it over to you. Doesn't that? Isn't that? Look look under the MB. It's very faint, but it looks like a little thing of a tap. Uh, zoom zooming, enhance, enhance, enhance. enhance. <laughs> um. That looks to me, so it, it is a tap on the actual barrel itself. So if you look at what's behind mm-hmm. the MB, it's got, it's got. Oh, yeah. that is. Oh, yes. I mm-hmm. see that now in the negative space, as it were, is an actual Correct. barrel. Yes. Right behind the MB. Yeah. It's a very complex logo, I will say. It is. There's a lot of depth <laughs> to it. It's very good. And so they're, it looks anyway. like they're doing this just for a little while. Yeah. Just for four games, it says. I love that. You can also, I guess, buy gear for the micro brews, um, which is very cool. It's that uh, that MB sort of um, insignia on on a hat embroidered on there. It's very good. I should say also, uh, I guess AAA ball or A advanced minor league affiliates are not uh, diminutive versions of their major league counterparts. They are actually still same sized human beings. So. Uh, the the actual mm-hmm. name micro brews does does not uh, in fact speak directly to their diminutive stature uh, strict strictly right. or or even their team size it's not it's not you know five players versus nine or anything it is uh, <laughs> simply a uh, play on on beer which I love mm-hmm. so yes the Carolina Mudcats are our team of the week if you'd like to suggest minor league teams to be our team of the week. Uh, we accept any suggestions for particularly good logos. We have some in the pipeline already, but you can email team of the week at baseline.show. And I've definitely got a couple suggestions, some hometown uh, homegrown. So, there is a lot of graphic design innovation going on in ma- minor league baseball, <laughs> and we intend to showcase it. Yes, please. Absolutely. Um, you can also uh, send over some future topic suggestions. We'll take them. Topics at baseline.show is our email. I want to give a quick rundown of some of the topics we have in the pipeline. Aaron L.M. Goodwin suggested that we discuss why um, the only place he ever sees trough-style urinals is at ballparks. We will be getting to that. It's going to be more of an investigative journalism type thing, I believe, for that episode. (laughs) We're going to have to do some... That's going to be our serial episode. That's right, some (laughs) on-premises recording, potentially, so look forward to that. Just going to be a lot of noises from a handheld tape recorder being mishandled. By by gnarl. Um, things like pine tar, pitcher's mud, and so on. We'll be, we'll be talking about things like that and how they um, are a part of the game. The one that I'm excited about, which is uh, first on our list, organ music. Mm-hmm. Which you may have heard actually as a part of our uh, intro for this show and, and sort of outro. 
That's true. We do use organ music. It's uh, in, it's a, inextricably it's a, linked to sort of the vibe of baseball, uh, but also I guess kind of other sports as well. But there is a very distinct mm-hmm. sound to to the one that is involved in baseball. So very much looking forward to talking about that with you. Um, we will also probably follow up on our personal experiences of our teams playing each other coming up here soon. Uh, again, we are likely recording somewhere between Sundays and Mondays usually. So if you want to get a topic to us um, or you've got a question for us, get it to us before then and our episodes post every Thursday. Yep. Going forward, it'll be on Thursdays. So That's right. Thanks for those of you who listened and uh, said such nice things. Um, it was a uh, much better response than I expected. Yeah. Um, it seems a lot of people care about baseball. <laughs> yeah, it was it's super, super awesome. Actually, just hearing some of the stories that came in through email, um, folks saying mm-hmm. that they were excited to hear us talk about baseball, which is wild to me. Um, I loved yeah. hearing the feedback. Thank you so much. Keep it coming. Obviously, you can also uh, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That will help folks uh, find us, and you can find links to that over at baseline.show or at goodstuff.fm slash baseline. This has been Baseline, and that's the ballgame. Any rebroadcast, retransmission, or account of this game without the express written consent of goodstuff.fm is prohibited.